So many times I hear people insist that they can't afford to give as they borrow more money for an addition on their home or to buy more clothing or cars or, or go out to dinner for a third time in the week. But according to God's word, we can't afford not to give because if God doesn't have our money, then he doesn't have our heart. In this week's sermon, Pastor Kelly preached on Luke 16, 19 to 31, where Jesus tells the story of the rich man who received good things during his earthly life and Lazarus who received bad things during his earthly life. In the afterlife, the tables turn and we get a front row seat into the mind of the rich man. Today we'll be answering questions about these verses and more. Stay tuned from Glen Allen Bible Church. I'm Matt Moreau. I'm John Vanderbilt. I'm Beth Moss. And I'm Kelly Brady, and this is episode number 192 of the Next Level Podcast. And happy spring. 60 degrees it's 60 outside. Degrees. Oh my goodness. What's your, your I knew I was like his shirt's unbuttoned. <laughs> so I have a surprise and it's not what the listener may be thinking now that you've said my you, you, shirt. You're wearing, you're wearing a shirt underneath your button shirt. I am. I have it a looks surprise. like it might say something. Oh my goodness. I have a surprise. So we're nearing 200 episodes for years. This is the 192nd episode. Wow. Episode 200, shirts optional. <laughs> That's not where this is going. So I had a commemorative T-shirt made up. Oh, yes. yes. Look hey, at that. Hey, that's a cool T-shirt, actually. That is a cool T-shirt. Who designed that? Who's the design? Uh, the uh, shout out to Chris Coyle. He got it done for hey. us. Cool. And so I have T-shirts for each for of you. Of In fact, cool. Did you give me an extra small? <laughs> and what, what would you like? Large or medium? How many did you get, medium. Kelly? I got 50. Okay. <laughs> what? Oh, I thought it was just like us. <laughs> I thought it was just us four. I thought one so for too. every listener. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> well, that's one for us and each family member. That is right? a perfect glimpse into Kelly's personality. Perfect. What sizes are available? There's like maybe six them. to choose from. I bought 50. Well, how many sizes? Are <laughs> large. All right. So, John, you're large. There's XL if you want XL. This is, this is awesome. It's so, amazing. It's got the got church logo on the back medium? and everything. It's got the church logo. Oh, are man. Sure. You can have whatever you want. Medium. No. So, you know, for the we're, listener, this we're is passing out T-shirts. Yeah. This is like a soccer practice. This is, this is the first. Go team. This is the last practice before the game. <laughs> yeah, right. Hey, what size are you, what Billy? Size what are, you? <laughs> are they reversible like Can the old school park seven? district? Right, you better take a small. These mediums are big. Like, that's going to be big smalls. on me. Yeah. You got a medium. I got small. I got it for the Kelly. people I know. <laughs> big and bigger. We got 45 XLs and <laughs> five mediums. Next. These level. are amazing. Is, what are we cool. going to do with the why, other 46? This is why the next level needs to be a streamed Wait, podcast. There's only one D. You in need podcast, to be able to see Kelly. how cool this shirt is. There's only one D in. Oh, no. <laughs> I didn't do the spelling. <laughs> I'm kidding. He right, spelled so, it right. Yeah, Chris Coyle, um, what's the name of his company? Uh, I think it's called Coyle Unlimited. Yeah, or something like oh. that. Anyway, Chris attends the church, mm -hmm. married to Amy Coyle, Amy our Coyle? children's ministry director. Uh, 
help me with the design and the production. Mm-hmm. And so here's what I want to do. I, I want you guys to have some, but I also wanted our listeners. If you're a listener, faithful listener, <laughs> and you'd like a free T-shirt. Wow. Yeah. What do they got to do? What do they got to do? All you have to do is, <laughs> I don't know, what can we have them do? The price of free. Okay. <laughs> Let's figure it out. No, just uh, email me, kbrady at gebible.org, and we'll get you a t-shirt. And the that goes, I feel the like first, there needs to be a competition. The first 47. <laughs> <laughs> and I will be trying to get rid of these come summer, won't we? Yes. We still have these. Are going to be the all t-shirts the we give people after they spontaneously get baptized. <laughs> Every spontaneous yes, baptism is done in podcast Oh, you have little face. So last night we had a new member. Can't wait to walk down the hall in four months. <laughs> see what's in the boxes back there. <laughs> Last night at our new members class, one of the folks that is looking and thinking of joining the church said the reason they've stuck is the podcast. Oh, wow. Get him a shirt. And I said, I've got I have something a shirt for, for you. you. <laughs> did they get the first shirt? No. Oh. But I, I did tell him, I said, hey, Monday, this was Sunday night, I said, there's a surprise because he, he loves the podcast. There'll be a surprise on the podcast, and I want you to have the giveaway. Yes. So I will get him See? one. Okay. Come to the church, get a book. <laughs> Listen to the podcast. Get a shirt. Get a poorly sized shirt. Should people walking around? These are amazing. Enormous t shirts. Should we should we sign some or we maybe in like yeah glitter pens? Matt's past band. You know what I'm saying, man? work a merch table. We we do need a merch table. We do. That's where we made all our money, guys. Come on. At the merch. This $20 is amazing. $20 shirt you're costs gonna... us two bucks. <laughs> <laughs> Kelly, you're going to have to text us all before the 200th episode so we can all wear these on that day. Yeah. I know yeah. you're, well, he's going to wear it every day until. Sherry, I, wrote, I wore the t-shirt under my long sleeve button down. Sherry's like, you're going to scare them if you start unbuttoning that <laughs> I shirt. I noticed, I looked <laughs> over and I was like, why does he have his shirt unbuttoned? <laughs> Was it like she said Beth would crawl had, under the table? We did have lunch together. You didn't eat that much. <laughs> oh. I can't right. wait to wear this thing around the house. And the kids are gonna, like, <laughs> <laughs> Can we link it somehow? I have pictures of the design. On Instagram. Is there yeah. some way we can get it out there? Right now. Just <laughs> take a, take a picture there. of it. John, right are now. you gonna <laughs> No, Let's I've this got out there. Like Let's make sure everybody knows. That's my reality, hey, man. <laughs> Matt, can you get the digital picture uh, camera so we can get a digital picture? Yeah, you have one of those. Can you put uh, it up those on those things. internet it's things? Like a USB, <laughs> internet and then you plug it in. What's it called? Oh, yeah. 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 A flash, yeah, flash drive. drive. Do you have a flash drive? I don't, mine's only mine's one megabyte. Drive. I don't know if it'll hold. I'm the not photo. sure that's big enough. Yeah, Kelly, <laughs> we'll snap a pic and throw it on the. I just sent you one. On the, IG. <laughs> on the IG. Oh, it's going up on GBC Worship right, right now. now. Wow. Okay. Boom. Even before For people hear the podcast, with, they're going to know. With these words, boom, prophecy. <laughs> That's what I should put <laughs> Oh, you should have, like, this is like the oh official t-shirt Oh, my gosh, I'm so right disappointed here. in your shirt mm. now that it didn't say boom, prophecy on it. <laughs> He's I was, hanging it up. I was mad the other day. I don't think anybody got my joke. I, I showed it to Jennifer. She's like, I don't get it. I was like, man, come on. When I posted on Instagram, because somebody posted some pictures on the GBC account of uh, summer worship in yeah. the park. And how they missed it. Uh, and and it was with so you, warm. With, mm-hmm. you had shorts on and loafers. And, <laughs> and I said, shorts, there it is. Shorts, there it is. <laughs> Boom. Khaki laka, khaki laka, khaki laka. <laughs> loafers. 
Come she on. didn't find that funny? No, not at all. But the thing is, is we, we walk around. No one else did either, Matt. <laughs> Come on, that's funny. Like, we walk it's around. Our kids funny. walk around. They don't even know who Tag Team is. But our kids walk around doing that commercial all day long. Because they hear Because yeah. they hear Scoop. There it is. We don't have a television in our house. All right. <laughs> Thank you, Kelly. You bet. This is amazing. I'm going to hang mine on my stand here, too, so that you can look at your handiwork. All right. So um, it took me that's six awesome. months to get this done. <laughs> John's like, did it actually? Who are you? I like it. It's, it's Chris great. did a good job. Yes, yeah, he, he did. did. Thank you, Chris. He apparently has a designer that does like Fortune 50 branding and, oh. and asked the guy for a freebie. So I was super thankful. Mm-hmm. Nice. So, how about service yesterday? It was good. A little good. recap. Well, John really enjoyed first service when I got up behind the plexiglass and began to cough up a lung. Oh, no. <laughs> so just, I, took, I get up for service, and I'm, I'm down in the front row singing. I can't, and I'm, I'm you know, oh. allergies, so I'm choking on my own okay. allergies. allergies. Yeah. And so I, I, like, this isn't going to work. It's not going to mm-hmm. work. I'm going to get up there. I'm going to start coughing and, you know, spew COVID all over everybody. <laughs> so I'm allergies. trying to get it to calm Which down. Which you don't have because you were testing. I'm allergies, okay. Negative. So... I get up front and get to the podium just in time to get my mask off and just a oh no I just <laughs> I couldn't hold it you, down. Did you acknowledge it or do your no, mouth no. stifle? Right no, you it. didn't say. <laughs> I'm just coughing into my arm. Sorry. It's the it's the service that we've intentionally said we're gonna be as safe as we can. Yeah. <laughs> mask on the whole time. You know, for those working in health industry or whatever mm-hmm. that you know. Kelly gets <laughs> plexiglass. And covers his <laughs> microphone as he turns the other way and just lets it Coughed go. Coughed out into the air, not no. even into his arm. Just, yeah, it was greatness. What comes and then to mind didn't is, say a word. What comes to mind is the Homer Simpson gift that, like, where he backs up into the, in yes. the hedges. In the hedges. hedges. <laughs> Homer in the hedges. That's my favorite gift. Oh. So that was a highlight. That was That's a highlight. To, you know, the plexi to protect you mm-hmm. and everybody else. To protect you. <laughs> I think this protect week I'm going to preach from the back of the platform near the brick. Okay. In the drum kit. Other than that, you did great. <laughs> Three messages. Yeah. Services were very full. Very, yeah, very great. Right. First very and second, full. especially. Yeah. And um, yeah. We had somebody show up, some friends of ours, and they had forgotten to register for first service. So mm. they were bummed because they didn't feel like with their family size, they could, we could find them a place. Mm-hmm. So they were bummed. They had to. Oh, yeah. I think they had kids that couldn't get yeah. into. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. That's hard. It stinks. They just forgot, yes. or they didn't know. You were no, they forgot. The threat. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I think we all probably uh, have a tendency to say, "Oh, I'll get that done." Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because the email comes out on Tuesday every week reminding us, and then yeah. Sunday morning you roll out and you think, "Did I do it? Didn't I do it?" And yeah. What would be the protocol? I mean, and it's you know, as I'm thinking through it, it's like, well, they it's could hard have to, come to, to imagine, Right. It's hard to imagine uh, a family coming and not, you know, just pre-screening the whole process but what what if a new family came and they were just checking out the church and they question. showed up to first service and but they didn't know anything about registration what would we do, what do we, yeah. yeah it it depends like they've never been here before yeah you know I mean? it mm-hmm. depends the biggest issue is children's ministry because right. mm-hmm. everything is is done not not just for covid safety but you have to have a certain number of adults like mm-hmm. you can't just put five kids in a room with one adult like you have to have all the precautions and mm-hmm. some of it's our church policies. Some of it's the state of Illinois policies, like all sorts of things that we have to follow. So if, if children's ministry, they, they sometimes will leave a little bit of a, a 
a buffer if they know, you know, um, things look really full. Sometimes they have a floater that goes in between rooms and they can kind of, they might be able to, to, mm -hmm. uh, have the kids be able to come to children's ministry and the adult and the adults come to, uh, service. Usually we have space if children's ministry weren't to work, everybody could, can mm -hmm. come into service, which I, I don't know this for sure, but I would guess that that might have been the case with this family. I don't know that for sure at all, sure. but mm -hmm. sometimes even then it's really, it's really packed. So we always have the overflow room open. Oh, um, good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So if we do, we, and we have used it recently where people that came that didn't register, we actually put them in the worship center and then there were folks that, um, that our regular tenors come to the church. They actually opted out of the service. Mm -hmm. Um, we had some college kids that came late that we put in the overflow room. So it would, yeah. um, we, we work really, really, really try hard to make it work. We also try really hard to get the messaging out that you have to register mm -hmm. front and center on our website, all of our social media. So we know that most people don't just show up at a church these mm -hmm. days. These, like mm -hmm. to know what time we meet, you have to go on the, yeah. I, the the internet, you know, to the website or somewhere to figure out when we meet. Likelihood that you would go to either you know one of our websites or whatever, you're going to see a registration option. So mm -hmm. yeah. okay. we have had very little, uh, yeah, issues. It's hard to imagine. Very very few. Yeah, just curious. So, what, what capacity are you at now? You'll take 100? 120 um, people into the worship center, mm -hmm. and then they do 40 kids in children's ministry and six, uh, minimum six in nursery. Sometimes they'll do 12 in nursery. Um, if they can have enough volunteers to open up two nursery rooms, then they'll do six and six. So it's pretty, I mean... That's a lot. Yeah, I mean, when we have two nursery rooms and all the children's ministry going, I mean, it's 52 kids down in the basement and 120 in the main room. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's yeah. the ratio is pretty uh, spectacular. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it seems like each week that passes over the last few weeks, I see more people that I haven't, who regularly have attended here over the past however many years and, and they're now back. They're mm -hmm. coming back and it seems like people's comfort level is growing maybe with coming back into church. Mm -hmm. We're actually doing a video, uh, I have done a video and we'll get it out to the congregation inviting people back. There is cool. a kind of a slow return for, I'm going to say 50% of our congregation. There's a slow return. Um, and some, so for some folks, it's, it's wise to have waited. Yeah. We, we have some folks that are in the uh, risk, you know, the high risk category for COVID and they're, they're getting their vaccines. Now we had folks that returned last Sunday for the first time in over in a year. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's cool seeing that. Yeah. It's cool. Uh, it's feeling like, mm -hmm. yeah. Hey, can I do a plug for baptism? Um, the next baptism service is March. No. Could we do questions? <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about the shirt. I'd like to talk about the oh, t-shirts a little rhetorical longer. Question. Rhetorical. The next baptism is March 21st in all three services. And we have about six adults right now that huh? are going to be baptized. That's I'm awesome. so pumped for y'all to hear some of these testimonies. Mm -hmm. I was reading one of the testimonies this morning, and it's a powerful story of God drawing a man and um, we'll leave it at awesome. that so that they can share yeah. it themselves yeah. on the 21st. How's that going to go down? Like what is the well, kind of going to be up here on the platform if that's what you're asking and um, the baptizee doesn't have to be masked but the baptizer will, will like be masked. Like the water in the tub is going to be on the platform? It is. 
mm-hmm. all by the electrical <laughs> gear is what yes. we're... sounds really awesome. <laughs> I'm going to make sure your guitar's right by it. We're actually, yeah, so... Is that what you were getting at? Yeah, kind yeah. of like if there's six people all going in the same water, are there? Well, chlorine kills COVID, and okay, so we so just add have a little chlorine. chlorine. Perfect. Yeah. And it'll be to a service, and ideally, we'll see where they mm-hmm. land. But all right, great. Uh, well, so I've been drinking chlorine lately, just in case. <laughs> just in case. <laughs> that joke's oh still a live goodness. joke. I couldn't help it, myself. I guess so. It's still a live joke. What do people do if they want to get baptized? Just contact. Myself or John or Grant Armstrong, yeah. Okay. Uh, whatever staff person you know, and they'll work, they'll get you mm-hmm. into the funnel, and we'll get it figured out. Great. Yeah. All right, let's get into some questions. First question. Considering the actions and attitude of the rich man, might this primarily be a reflection of the class-based societal of the first century? I'm assuming that the New Testament world was much more class-oriented than we are. Could you tease out how we might be thinking slash acting in a similar way in DuPage County? Yeah, I, this is an interesting um, question if, to consider class and how much it does build into selfishness. So it's true that socioeconomic class as well as ethnicity and racial stratification was a greater part of the social fabric um, in the first century than it is in DuPage County. But there are still lots of divides in our community along the the typical class structure. So there's income divides, there's education divides. I think that's actually a big one in our community. Uh, There's language divides that create stratification and exclusion, and um, it perpetuates injustice and poverty. There's race, racial divides, which we've, you know, we endured all last summer uh, in in the forms of these protests and just kind of bringing light to that. So there are enclaves of poverty. I'll give you one example. There are enclaves of poverty in our county that many wealthy are completely unaware of, and we need to be more intentional about bridging to those communities, investing in those communities. Our church uh, and then in our volunteerism, we have, for, I'll give you an example, in uh, South Carroll Stream, there's an enclave of poverty uh, that District 200 uh, cares for, or that they, I'm saying they work their way into District 200. And I know that Glenbard District 87 has mm-hmm. the same thing, several of these pockets of poverty um, that none of us, we don't shop at the same stores that they shop at, we don't eat at the same restaurants they So there's this stratification between the wealthy and the impoverished, the educated and the uneducated, and then there are racial elements to it. And so one of the things that this person, I don't know, male or female, asks, uh, could you tease it out? What what could be contributing or how's this happening in DuPage County? Well, I, I think that it's true we're less stratified, but we're not without stratification socially. And one of the ways that we can make sure that we're not behaving as the rich, rich man is to bridge, um, find the organizations that are in those communities, caring for those people and, and, and join with them. I'll give you one is, uh, outreach community ministries. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have a, a community center in South Carroll stream in the, in a residential setting, a, an apartment complex. And, uh, we have lots of folks here at Glenn Bible church that are volunteering and leading in that organization. Um, bridge community ministries in, in our area, helping people get out of homelessness um, and and make their way uh, through life skills. We've had lots of people partner with them. So, um, there, I one of the things that 
I'm afraid many at Glowing Bible Church don't realize is that there are parallel lives with which we never intersect. For example, very few at Glowing Bible Church shop at Goodwill. And by shop, I mean really purchase your clothing there. Now, my kids go there when they're going to purchase Halloween costumes. And I don't mean that as a joke. It's just, it's a fact. But... But there are people who our kids go to school with who actually shop at Goodwill. That's in, and, um, and, so, and they get their food from a food pantry. And so, and so they live, well, I live in, on the north side of Wheaton. There is a, there's a, an enclave of impoverished, uh, an impoverished community that is less than three blocks from my house. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that, that it'd be easy for the, like myself, the wealthy, highly educated, um, uh, English speaking, to be completely unaware because we're not, our lives aren't intersecting. We're shopping at different places and going about our business differently. So we just, we need to be intentional uh, about that. And you could actually go to the school and say, how could I serve um, the, the, um, the marginalized? And they have lots of programs for volunteer activities. And, and of course, we do here at the church, the caregiving center is, is that effort, the once a month uh, distribution of food, um, and and so you could get involved there. I will point out, I do think the danger, this question asks, it's a great question about, give us some insight into DuPage County. But one of the things we need to remember is that God has a vision for the world. He so loved the world, John three sixteen. And when it comes to issues of poverty, uh, majority class issues, those that have greater influence, um, we really have to, we have to have a global perspective because God has a global perspective. And I didn't do my research, but uh, a year ago, th- the statistic was that if you make more than $40,000 a year, you're in the top 1% of wage earners globally. And so that should, you know, that should startle us all and, uh, and help us understand um, just the, you know, the, uh, the opportunity we have and responsibility we have to have a global perspective and care for those globally and do what we can globally. So you kind of read this question a little differently than me, and I like that you pointed out some of the areas where there's the stratification and the divide. When I read it, I thought immediately of entitlement and how entitled we can be and that we don't even, necessarily we don't see it, kind of to your point, but um, the small little places where we choose entitlement or comfort when we don't need to, you know, where we think, well, I should stay in this hotel because it's a little comfortable, more comfortable, or I should shop here because it's just a nicer environment. So that was kind of where my mind went with it is like, we can be so concerned about our comfort and our entitlement that we don't see, or we, we think it's, we're unaware, we're unaware. And we think we deserve it almost like, well, why would I go here if I can go here? Mm-hmm. kind of a thought. Yeah, you don't want to give the, uh, I think what you're saying, Beth, is you don't want to give the rich man too much credit here, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, there's no excuse for the behavior, right, um, that we're seeing. And I, I think I would push back a little bit on the, that the first century is more class-oriented than we are. Mm-hmm. I actually think, certainly globally, but I think there's some pretty strong arguments to be made that, you know, um, when you, uh, 
read the statistics from places like IJM or when you talk with some folks at like Naomi's house, we've had mm-hmm. Simone on here, the, the divide is in the kind of the class systems are not necessarily defined as they would be like in a place like India, we mm-hmm. think of a caste system, but a class system mm-hmm. certainly exists and might even be more entrenched, um, you know, informally <laughs> here but in the United powerful. States. And yeah, yeah. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, um, the way people treat a server when you go out to eat, mm-hmm. you know, um, if it doesn't go well or if you have to wait a little bit or whatever, you know, there's, there's certain like, um, things that you can and can't say to certain people. And it, it's sort of, uh, like I said, unwritten, but, um, I think it very much still exists. I think folks would, uh, in in some of the places that are you know that are working the hourly wage type jobs and and um, things like that would tell you they d- there's definitely a class system mm-hmm. and it might even be more so in DuPage County than in some of the less affluent um, places but I know that's not the heart of the of the question I think you answered it um, you answered it well. Um, All right, let's go to the next question. What does Kelly and the church believe about eternal torment? <laughs> I believe I want to That it's avoid not it. fun. <laughs> not fun, not good. <laughs> Don't want to find out. I, I love the way the question asker asked it. I saw this question and I'm like, oh, great. <laughs> well, then we'll keep it short. But I know I, I Kelly's just... I, He's chomping at the bit. I just know he did like a... Um, tons of reading on this topic because it's it's one that uh comes up often and it's been written about it's come up recently in a lot of modern it's a cultural sticking point you know in the 21st mm -hmm. century some new theological takes yeah it kind of always gets yeah a little play every few years (laughs) (laughs) so um hell does that's that's what i mean um kelly and the church are on the same page here is the is the way I would say it. Um, that is to say, the elders are the official position of the church. In fact, statement number nine in our statement of faith, we have twelve statements in our constitution about what we believe. Statement number nine reads: We believe in the eternal bliss of the redeemed in heaven and the eternal punishment of the lost in hell. Um, so um, it's pretty straightforward. We believe that eternal conscious bodily. Uh, suffering is the lot or the experience of those who die outside of faith in Christ. And um, in heaven is the eternal home for those who die in with faith in Christ. And we believe this because scripture, and particularly the New Testament, is full of references to it. Jesus taught on hell uh, quite a bit, a lot, including last week's, uh, you know, he told the story of the rich man and Lazarus. Um, as one example of someone's experience in hell. Um, and so in the, the disciples, after, you know, Christ was ascended and the New Testament was getting written in the book of Jude, we read a comment on hell in the book of Second Thessalonians. Paul re- references hell in the book of Revelation, the apostle John. Uh, so uh, references hell and um, the second death and the lake of fire and the eternal torment there. So, um, 
And I should also state that, you know, the position of Glowen Bible Church is uh, um, the, the historic kind of normative position on hell uh, that has been a part of church history for the last, you know, I'm going to, I'll say 1800 years or 1900 years. So yeah, it's not, no big surprises here or um, it's pretty um, predictable conservative evangelical theology. If someone doesn't believe in the statement number nine of the statement of faith, can they be a member at Glenelg Bible? That's a great question. I, I think what the elders would say is in, in a membership, in the membership process, well, what do you believe? They'd mm -hmm. want a conversation around and why, it and, and why. Yeah. And, um, and there are some very nuanced and technical yeah. uh, positions on what the New Testament is, in fact, teaching. Mm -hmm. uh, I think it was John Stott, who late in life, um, arguably the grandfather of evangelical theology, um, he, I think he changed his position from believing in eternal, conscious, bodily suffering to a position on um, annihilation. Mm -hmm. Was it Stott mm -hmm. that shifted gears on that? Am I remembering correctly? Uh, anyway... There's several that have annihilationism that, are, that, that, that basically it's you're gonna be done. You're just gone. You're you suffer. Point. You suffer. And then so eternally. Right. No, I'm sorry. It's body for annihilationism. It's bodily, conscious suffering for a fixed amount of time, right. and then you're, you're annihilated. Uh, you're annihilated. Well, then does he say that every person's gonna have that for a different set amount of time? Yeah. There's a there's a a relation. Between your life the suffering, on earth you and do your suffering in hell. Hmm. It's probably the second most common, or in competition with ECT, would be annihilationism, some mm -hmm. form of annihilationism. ECT, eternal, eternal conscious, conscious torment. <laughs> yeah, it was stopped. Sounds like a metal these. band. It does. <laughs> but then, do those people still believe in the eternal conscious, like? Bliss? bliss they do okay yeah. um yeah so there's there are a lot of nuanced positions and i so to john's question i think the elders would simply say well, well tell us what you do believe and why you believe mm -hmm. it and yeah. um well i think one of the reasons it's good to wrestle with it if you haven't developed your theology on it is be, because a lot of times it'll you'll end up just having to reconcile a good God with eternal punishment mm -hmm. and try to figure out how mm -hmm. that works together. And, yeah. you know, I, I mean, personally, I'm, I'm good with it. It's, you know, there's mystery. And so, and that's not just a cop out answer either. It's, you know, there is mystery in our faith, but it's, it's definitely worth wrestling. Um, if somebody did say that, I thought that was a good question. If somebody did say like in membership class, like I, I'm just not there. And, and then the elders asked, well, you know, what do you, what do you believe? And what if the position was like, I just think that at some point, you know, love wins. We're going to all, everyone will be with God at some point. Yeah. I think if they were, um, uh, believing that hell did not exist in any form and that everybody is ultimately saved, yes, then that would not be in step with who we are right. theologically. And I, I could imagine the elders saying, no, um, you're not a great fit here. Right. Uh, I'm not, I don't think the elders would go so far as to say um, that those who believe 
everybody is saved are not Christian. Right. I, I don't think they would do that. I think they'd say that's that's just not how we believe. That's not the clearest teachings of Scripture as we yeah. as we read the Bible. And in other words, you probably aren't going to like. It. <laughs> you're, right, you're not you know, a great. Fit you're going to get for uh, uncomfortable in a lot of sermons. <laughs> Right. But would you still allow them to stay and wrestle through it? You wouldn't say you. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So just to say you're not you're not a good fit here doesn't mean you're saying they can't stay. Just oh, wanted absolutely. to clarify yeah, that. It's a membership issue. <laughs> you know, half, those are the words. You're not that's, a good that's, fit here. <laughs> 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 but to make sure nobody mishears that, you guys would would really lovingly, I'm sure, work oh, through that absolutely. with people and have as many conversations as needed. There are half the people that attend our church on Sunday mornings are not members. Mm-hmm. And about half are, and so and it's okay to attend and not officially. It actually might be more than half. Okay. At this point. <laughs> so and and that's fine. We, certainly, we'd love people to be members because mm-hmm. it gives us it helps us to plan, uh, forecast, program, uh, steward our resources. There are lots of good reasons to become members. Uh, but sure, you're more than welcome to attend for yeah. as long as you... And church is the, a great place to work out your theology. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. I mean, great point. It's awesome being here on staff because we get to just work out theological points all the time. And what do you think about this? What do you think about that? But, you know, you can do that on a Sunday as well or in your mm-hmm. small group or whatever. Great. In fact, that is the, that's, that is the experience of discipleship. Mm-hmm. Right? None of us have arrived. I have theological questions and issues I'm working through, and it just doesn't happen to be on hell. So mm-hmm. great point, Matt. Yeah. We're mm-hmm. all growing. Yep. Let's go to the next question. Um, all right, here we go. Intermedi- intermediary stage of torment and being with Abraham mentioned in the sermon. Was that only an Old Testament situation or just a parable? Yeah, so I, I tried to flesh out in the sermon that the, these intermediate intermediary states uh, of Hades in Abraham's bosom is how it's called in his mm. KJV or Abraham's side. These two places where those who perished went, um, they were, they are holding places before final judgment, except, and they were Old Testament holding places. So um, the holding place changed after the death of Christ. He says to the thief on the cross, today you'll be with me in paradise. You'll be with me. Mm. So we know that to be absent from the body, according to Paul, is to be present with the Lord. So when we die, we have, we don't go to a holding place, uh, Abraham's side. Those who have faith in Christ go to be with Christ, go be with our Savior in the presence of God. Uh, Hades, though, my understanding, is still holding those uh, who are awaiting judgment and whose destination is ultimately hell. Second um, Peter 2.9 says, the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials and to hold the unrighteous for punishment on the day of judgment. So there's this sense that the unrighteous still awaiting judgment, but having passed from this life are being held. They are awaiting judgment. And, um, and according to the story, which I don't think is a parable, I don't think it's a parable. I think it is a story. A parable is a is a fictitious story meant to communicate uh, biblical truths or essential truths. This reads to me. It may be a parable. We could argue it, and scholars do argue. Is this a parable or is this a an actual story that Jesus is offering us because he's got some unique revelatory understanding? It strikes me as a story because of the detail offered. We actually know one guy's name, Lazarus. <laughs> and in a parable, you don't mm-hmm. typically meet with people's names. Mm. So I don't think it's a parable. I think it's a story. I think it is unique re- revelatory knowledge given by Jesus. 
I think that, praise God, since the uh, resurrection mm -hmm. of Christ, Abraham's side is no longer the place that we'll go. We'll go straight to be with Christ in the presence of God. Yeah. Uh, Hades is a place to still be avoided because its destination is the lake of fire after the second death. I find that idea a great comfort, too, just what you mentioned about Jesus' words to the thief on the cross. When someone dies, um, you know, family member, we just had a death in our family recently. And it was comforting to be able to say with confidence, assuredness that man, she's with Jesus right mm -hmm. now. Mm -hmm. And we know that because he communicated that to somebody else as, as he was about to die, mm -hmm. that you're going to be with me. So um, given that and, and, but, and then also knowing that, you know, um, uh, the day of our glorified bodies where we will finally be fully glorified isn't here yet, um, then that state is some sort of uh, intermediate, uh, intermediary stage of blessedness. Would that be accurate, do you think? Like this, where the thief is right now yeah, is some sort of, he's not glorified yet. He hasn't received his glorified body oh, yet. Oh, I'd have to work on that. Um, <laughs> and so I mean, I'd want, I want to plead ignorance on that and, and want to, He's embodied. I, I think to, to be absent from this body doesn't mean that we're without a body. S somebody asked later about right. uh, torment in hell. How can you be tormented when you don't have a body? Mm. And I, I think that there, I'm absent from this body doesn't mean I'm completely disembodied. Right. The, okay. So I, I don't know I if they have the glorified two, body. I think there's two bodies. Yes, and there's debate around that. Right, yeah, yeah, sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. We had, had to, we had to write too. a paper on that in the last class, like to develop a, you right. know, I never thought about it before. It was exactly. like, well, that's interesting. Right. So but, the, but the biggest for me, whether that it's one body, two bodies, the, the biggest uh, takeaway for me is just like, yeah, man, you're with Jesus right mm -hmm. away. Right. So you're in some state of blessedness. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Obviously, if you're next to Jesus, you're blessed. You're doing good. Like yeah. You're, yeah. So that's a comfort. You know what I love? Oh, Beth, you got something? Oh, I was just, I was hoping that you would uh, flesh out the difference here with Hades and maybe people who come from a Catholic background and know of purgatory, yeah. what's the difference here? All right, so uh, purgatory is not a place where God is deciding whether someone will go to heaven or hell. Purgatory is best understood as the entry hall to a house that is heaven. So purgatory is a holding place in Catholic theology where sanctification is completed so someone can enter heaven. It's not a place where you flunk out and mm. get sent to hell. So it almost makes me think of what Matt was just talking about with the two bodies. Like yes, you're blessed in some form, but you're so, not yet totally glorified. Right. So you're, you're advocating for a theology of purgatory. <laughs> no, I am not. <laughs> I just want to be straight to Jesus. Like, yeah. let's just do Amen. that one. <laughs> you know what I love about this? I was just thinking about you bring up bodies. Folks, um, the, I think one of the most beautiful things about eternity is we will be embodied. Yeah. And Jesus is embodied right now, our Savior. And he's enjoying the body that the Father gave him, that he was born with in Bethlehem, and now it's glorified. And we're going to enjoy our bodies and they'll be perfect. And we'll have responsibilities that we exercise and tasks that we uh, utilize our bodies to accomplish for the glory of God. It's, it's really quite engaging. I just, I've been reading C.S. Lewis's adult fiction, Out of a Silent Planet and Paralandria. Have you guys read oh, that? I haven't read that yet, but I've been meaning to. I heard it's fantastic. Yeah, start with Out of a Silent, out of a silent yeah. Planet. And then uh, it's a trilogy. And the second is uh, Paralandria. 
uh, and just the notion of embodiment and how God delights in his creation and we're to blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. But something from, it got me pumped, so. <laughs> no, it's totally valid. Think, how, think about all of the, just the good things that happen inside of your body when you're hugging your child mm. or when mm. you hug a parent. Yeah, the connection, like, the blessing of connection. Gosh, yeah. man, especially, you know, like, can you imagine that with the Savior? Like, mm-hmm. I don't want to not have that. I'm John, sure there's, there's going to be hugging in heaven, John. I'm okay with hugging. Me? In heaven? No. <laughs> Carrie. There's people that I'm great with hugging. You are not one of them. <laughs> Come on, bring it in, bro. He brought, he brought you a shirt I today. You. you better hug him I, for that. I've hugged you many times. <laughs> that, there was that one time. Bro. <laughs> early bro, early heaven, on there. Heaven is a place called Earth, bro. Belinda Carlisle theology. <laughs> hug it out right here and now. This is heaven. <laughs> Hug it out. (laughs) Here we go. Next question. Should we be careful about taking the passage too literally? If this is before the resurrection and judgment, we must assume that at least some of the imagery, for example, bosom, water, finger, and tongue, are figurative and not literally physical. For example, does a disembodied soul get parched for literal water? Yeah, so again, I don't think this is a parable. Um, I think it's a story. Um, it's a story, and, and in nowhere in this story is there any reference to a disembodied reality. I, I think it's safe to say the rich man doesn't have his earthly body, uh, but I don't know how we are going to read this figuratively. You could certainly um, overstate elements of a story, carry, uh, draw conclusions that aren't available, but the con- I simply restated what's in the passage. He was thirsty, tormented by fire. Uh, he, the, I'm quoting, he's in agony. He's asking for his thirst to be quenched. I just don't see any way around this, uh, that it's not figurative, um, It's that it's literal. He's, he's wanting a particular man, Lazarus, to come care for him or go care for his five brothers. He's talking concretely about a resurrection experience. So it just, it all seems more than metaphorical, more than figurative. It seems fairly literal. So. Okay. And, you know, just like lots of, of stories that Jesus tells, like there's multiple layers and meanings. And so this question uh, is, a, is about, is a question asking about a possible other meaning or primary meaning. Might it be the case that the real purpose of this parable is not about escaping hell and its torments, but rather about the importance of heeding the warning of the law and the prophets and offering a prophecy about the future rejection of the raised savior by those who rejected the law and the prophets? Yeah, you know, given the context, I think that the purpose of the story is certainly to warn us against loving money more than God. Uh, it could also be an affirmation that we need to listen more closely to the law and the prophets. It could also be a prophetic description of the future rejection of the raised Savior by the people that are listening to him tell the story, namely the first century Jews. It, it could be all that. I just, I don't think it's only that. I I find in these questions an, an interesting desire to uh, make hell and its reality secondary. Uh, however, to get that done, whether to assign it as metaphor um, or figurative, or to say that while it's mentioned, it's not 
the primary lesson, and I just don't, I don't know how we get around it. I don't, it seems like the plainest reading in the context of Luke 16, where you've got the shrewd manager up at the top of the chapter. It just seems like a, an example of one who did not act shrewdly with their money. Well, I guess I, um, I don't really know why that matters. I mean, I, I, I get how that kind of sounds, but why does it matter what the primary purpose of it is? If, it, if there's two things being taught, because for me, there's a lot being taught in this story. Yeah. You, you're learning a whole lot. Like, yeah, C.S. Lewis drew a lot out of this parable, which I, I, I mentioned a lot about. In, it wasn't in my notes, so it was kind of off the cuff that I talked a lot about in second and third service, but not at all in first service. Uh, Lewis does a lot here with the rich man's self-absorption. I want Lazarus to do my bidding. And then his arrogance at coaching Father Abraham and how repentance would really be best served for his five brothers if someone was raised from the dead. Lewis makes out of that the fact that, you know, the door to hell's locked from the inside. What we have here is yeah. someone that was arrogant and unconcerned in his earthly life, selfish and self-absorbed. And when he gets to hell, it only concretizes mm -hmm. his character deficits, his unrighteousness. He actually grows in unrighteousness, it appears, while in hell. And, and Lewis made a lot of that. I don't think what Lewis made of it is the primary teaching of this passage. Sure. So there's certainly, to your point, a lot we could glean out of this. But I do think it's valuable to identify primary, secondary, tertiary. Sure. Um, but you don't ever, like, you don't, when you preach, you don't just say, okay, what's the primary? Okay, that's what I'm going for, right? I mean, no, I will. Yes. I think it is important to, to organize um, our understanding of what's primary and secondary and tertiary as best we can. So you do that regardless of how you feel. I, I'm just assuming, I mean, you've preached on this before. Yeah. So will you just hit on the same main point every time because okay, that's considered the primary? Because if I was going to preach this sermon out of this passage five times in 10 years yeah. or whatever, I, I would look, I'd be praying through like, okay, what else? What, are, what, what else should we be learning as well, a church you, here? I don't know about how exactly you do it, Kelly, but I, I think the issue is if there's a primary or like the authoritative teaching in the text, you can't, you can't ignore that one. For others. For, yes. For, secondary, for, for the secondary. And third issues. I do think that you could, you can raise secondary applications and teachings in and conjunction note and note them. Yeah. And that there might be times where like your scenario where you've preached it multiple times, or maybe right. there's something going on societally or culturally or a series that you're in or something like that, where it makes a lot of sense to raise one of the secondary secondary issues, or if it's a supporting text to another text, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. yeah. It you might get a little bit more play I mean, I on understand the, the value of, you know, studying scripture and knowing what is Jesus talking about right here? What, right. what was he talking about in the, in the previous chapter? Oh, this is flowing. This is making sense. Um, but at the same time, I just wonder about this, the question. Um, okay. Well, well, let's say that what the, the assumption made in this question, let's say it is true. Let's say that this is what, what the question's bringing up is the primary. Then, well, what is that? It, you're saying it doesn't negate the right, points like, I made Sunday. Yeah, like yes, it, that's fair. Is it mm. is this question asker, you know, wondering like, yeah, does it negate what you were saying, or does it? Well, I it mean, would it would sideline. I'm it, trying to understand the question. Yeah, I think the, I think it's important to identify what's primary, secondary, and tertiary. I think it's it's important because first things first, let's get at the heart or the meat of 
what Luke is trying to capture and what Jesus was trying to teach. And so I think we need to yeah. do that work. John mentioned the words authoritative teaching. You know, we learned that in grad school. That's something that um, that scholars want. They work really hard to put something in context and and glean from it the heart or the meat of, of what's trying to be communicated here. The danger in, in making second things first or third things first is is ultimately losing sight of what's first. Sure. So, And I could see how you could, especially in these days, you could take a passage and take a second or third thing and make it the ultimate thing just based on what's going on around us yeah. socially, right? Yes. But there is I mean, a pastoral moment to be had. I mean, you can, if if you identify what's primary and then you say, and this morning, I, I want to land or I want to sit on what's secondary and tertiary because of a particular situation the church or a people group is yep. going through. You can do that. Yeah. Yeah, I actually, I, I, I like the direction you went, went with that. I actually thought you might go the, like, the first shall be last because mm-hmm. uh, that's a real common, you know, like, look at this impoverished person is now in raised in authority mm-hmm. and kind of the upside down nature of the kingdom. and. Yeah. I actually thought you answered um, the this the question asker it might what do they say might it be the case that this parable the purpose of this parable is not about escaping hell and its torments but rather about the importance of well don't you escape hell and its torments by obeying the law <laughs> the and the prophets and right. Jesus mm-hmm. <laughs> I think it yeah but yeah that's a good point um, okay let's go to the final question how is hell consistent with God's love. Doesn't seem like something an all-powerful and all-loving God would allow. All right, we'll answer this over then from episode one ninety-two to, to episode two hundred. <laughs> it's a deep question. It's so a very deep question. So I'll see if I can summarize. And the argument, the argument I'm going to offer here is philosophical in nature. So it's philosophical theology. So it's, it's philosophy, you know, how are we to best think or reason or what can we understand based on the theology we are offered in Scripture. So we want to make sense of eternal conscious torment when God is all-loving and all-powerful. And so let's address love first. Uh, in 1 John 4, 8, we learn that God's love, which means love is not defined primarily by human experience or what we think love is but by the person and purposes of God. I'll put a finer point on it. Love is not a concept outside of God to which he conforms. Love and lovingness is a reality which God himself defines. God is love, is what 1 John says. If love were a reality outside of God to which he conformed, then there would be a law or reality greater than God. Love would be God, and we see that in culture. Culture wants to make love the God to which they bow. I just saw on CNN recently. Was that a CNN article we were passing yeah, around? Yeah. About three men in Southern California that have applied together for a marriage license. There, it's, a, mm. it's called a thruple. That's what they call themselves. Oh. Yeah. And they've actually won the permission to be, to be listed as three men on a birth certificate. Three fathers. Three fathers. To a single child. On, uh, it's, yeah, so a these judge. three men say that they are in a marital relationship. And they're, it's described as a throuple, like three couple. Hmm. 
you and I didn't really talk about why I sent this to you. I sent this to you in regards to making my case that the state should never be, be in charge of marriage. <laughs> marriage. <laughs> That's, we just that was talked my about po- that. Exactly. That was my point is like, when we give this thing to the state, right, they've got mm, no look mores, at what they no do. Theological mores. Look at what yeah. they do. They let three people be married of the same gender yeah. and then wow. and then be on children's it, birth certificate. Wow. I mean, it's just insane. Go ahead, Kelly. Well, so we want to make love supreme. Mm. And love, if we do that, then we're saying God must bow to love ultimately. And then in some sense, we're saying he must bow to our definition of love. And mm. scripture is really clear that God his character actually defines love. Whatever emanates from God is love. So it shouldn't surprise us that we have trouble understanding how an all-powerful, all-loving God and eternal conscious torment are, are not unreasonable because we don't have the mind of God. In, in, in other words, we're finite. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, but we need to make sure that we understand that God defines what love is. Like we and wouldn't ground our nine-year-old until right. he was 16. Right. Yeah. It helps me. That's all I want to say. So I, it, it's a philosophical theology argument. And so we know that God is love. Love can't define God. God actually defines what's loving. He talks about it throughout scripture, Hades, hell, eternal con- uh, bliss. And so there are, there are, le- there are two places, you know, and, and hell is not inconsistent with a loving God. How do I know that? Well, God defines what's loving. And, and if, if that escapes my reason, then that shouldn't unnerve me so much. I mean, um, the second law of thermodynamics escapes my reason. There's a lot that escapes our reasoning. <laughs> e, e, you know, E equals MC squared escapes my reason. I, I can't get my arms around anything. So we shouldn't be too unnerved by the, we should, which isn't to say we can't wrestle with it and question mm-hmm. it and research it. Mm-hmm. I think I think there's pl- when I get asked this question, I try my best to go at it from the most limit like um, posture of like I understand this probably the least, right? Like it doesn't connect with me when I think of love, mm-hmm. right? Because and I just you have to recognize that mm-hmm. like there's a. We're missing some puzzle pieces. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's a great way to put it. Yeah, or or there's a we know the beginning and the end. We don't know how it all works in the middle necessarily. There's going to be a giant aha. Yeah, when we get to heaven. Right, and you know, I know some people. I have somebody really close to me in my life that this is a, this is a really big it's issue, and it gets worse and worse and worse and worse as time goes on. Like. Um, God is, you know, more angry, less loving. You know, mm-hmm. as they get older and older in their life, and and um. It's one of those things where powering up about it or pretending like I know everything mm-hmm. about it does not ever serve me well in the conversation. What serves me well is things like, he's so magnificent and mysterious. I just stand in awe of how he has done all this. And I can't, I can't always articulate perfectly how he loves and cares, cares for us. Um, so I think, I think the way that you've, you've framed it is, 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 a, is about as articulate as you can get on it um, without, I mean, it, it, yeah. it, 
it's tough, man. Without like, diving into yeah, it. Yeah, without just really. And, and there are total, and 100%, there are places that you should do that, right? Like, and conversations that you can have and you can wrestle and you can read and you can think through and you can argue and all that kind of thing. I'm talking about when folks are, are stuck on this issue or angry about this issue um, or don't understand this issue. The posture that we have on this issue in particular uh, seems to be really important to me mm-hmm. in in my life experience with with folks. This is a, this can be a hang up, and I, and my mm-hmm. experience is my experience. Yeah. Other people have had different things, but yeah. I think if you can have that conversation with somebody, um, and you ask a bunch of questions, and you start asking them, okay, well, how do you think this should go down? It at some point it's going to fall apart pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. That kind of theology that, okay, no, everyone's going to get in or there can't yeah. be an eternal, mm-hmm. like once you start, okay, well, then who is good? Who is bad? Yeah. Who's, it's going right. to fall apart at some point mm-hmm. until That's you realize point. that every person in eternal punishment deserves to be there and every person in heaven does not deserve to be there. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. That's, yeah. A good, that's a good summary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's, it is hard. It's, it's super difficult. Good job today, everybody. Yeah. Hey, if you want a free nice t-shirt, oh. if, you, if you want a free <laughs> t-shirt, <laughs> email me. Here comes the plug. Yes. <laughs> Kay right. Brady. I can't wait to Kay see. Brady at gbible.org. Or right, let's put it in our church website store. Okay. Do we have one? <laughs> Where the merch all <laughs> is. The merch? We do not have one. <laughs> well, that's all the t-shirts we have for you today. But if you have any further t-shirts, comments, or concerns, don't hesitate. Text the next level podcast, 630-474-6164. Our podcast is dedicated to answering listener questions on two levels, answering specific questions about last Sunday's sermon, and also general questions regarding broader topics within the Christian faith and t-shirts. We love t-shirts, <laughs> but we love God more and believe that scripture is a primary means for our getting to know him. And our hope is that this podcast extends learning opportunity for all who want to know God better, strengthening not only your faith, but my faith and our faith together. Thank you for joining us and support me in asking for a t-shirt. Tuning into the next level. Beth for the win. <laughs> Bye-bye. Prophecy.